Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, the podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Are you feeling victorious? I am. I am smoking my victory cigar right now. Yeah, because on a previous episode last week, uh, Jimmy said that I did not state my sermon summary at the beginning of a message, but waited until the end. And of course, I don't remember that because I don't remember anything I say when I'm preaching. Um, Oh, this is wonderful. And so I... uh, I went back and watched it, and sure enough, uh, I did not. I did not. You know the best part about this uh, is that, that it's the last one, and you can't smoke right now. No, I, I cannot. I cannot. But I already did have a cigar this morning, mm. so I'm okay. It's the wrong size. That's the size you like. That's why I got you that one. I like a different size. Oh, it's wonderful. I would rather smoke it. But look how it's not even burning even. That's the curse that you get right now. Uh, no, that's the place you bought it from. No, it's not. Yes, they, they don't there. rotate. I didn't buy it from there. They, they don't rotate wherever you're at. Binnie's. No, they, they they sell out almost immediately at Binnie's. That's, nah, that's the first stuff. So um, Jimmy's preaching uh, on Sunday. So when this releases, he will have already preached. Jimmy, you're preaching on? Revelation 5. One. Worthy is the lamb. That's it. And we're going to sing, he is worthy. Really? He, no. Okay. Stop it. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. what. We got some good stuff. What are you looking for? You're like all over the place. Uh, lighter. Because okay. it was burning uneven. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It bothered me too. <laughs> so um, now I, you're, going, you're leaving again. Where are you I'm going? leaving Where again. Are you going? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're going fishing. I'm, I am going fishing. Mm, can yes. you say who you're going fishing with? Well, I, uh, I guess. I mean, I, it might be interesting. It is It might fine. be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, Jimmy runs in circles. You know, he runs in he runs in various, you know, sort of, uh, you know, famous circles because Jimmy's a big deal. And uh, like you're friends with me. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously. One that, that's one circle of fame circle and notoriety. Fame. I mean, yeah, I've got like Harlem Globetrotter friends mm-hmm. and I've got. And so friends. now you're going to go with former UFC. Well, no, he's still he's still under contract. But Was he really? Yeah, he's got three more fights left. Ooh, I didn't three know more that. fights. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Clay. Clay, Clay the Carpenter Guida. That's it. We're uh, I'm heading down to Florida to go fishing with him. Um, oh, he is Florida man. Even though he's from Illinois, <laughs> no, he loves it. So, Hall of Famer Clay and I are gonna, and, and Izzy, Izzy's coming as well. So cool. we're gonna go and uh, we're gonna go fishing uh, Monday for I think tarpon. Uh, yes, of and course. Then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, yes, of course. indeed, tarpon. It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tuesday, we're gonna go kayaking uh, to get bass. I really uh, want a picture of you in a kayak, please. So, so Clay was like, so we're talking. Called me two days ago. And he was like, "Hey, man, just stay at my house." We'll just stay, you yeah. know, because he's got multiple abodes. And yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nah, I got to stay at the beach house. Like, I got to be on the ocean. Oh, okay. and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, dude, I got to be on the ocean. Like, I just why would I you not want to like bunk with uh, I don't, Clay? Well, because I don't want to be a burden to him. He's inviting you. It's not a burden. Nah, I'm all right. Yeah, you just you're just solo man. That's <laughs> all. You're just solo man. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's getting a room there too. Oh, he's gonna be with you. Yeah, out yeah there. we're oh, gonna okay. be hanging right, out. Good. good yeah, good, yeah, good. yeah. He's got. We got some plans for Sunday night, Monday night. Yeah, we're. Uh, I just, we're just make sure that you get a picture of you and him together. Send it to me and let him know that I knew about him. I was watching his fights. Probably I've got little, lots of photos with Clay and I. What are you talking but, but, about? But, you're, but you don't share them with me. So take one and send it to me so I can see it and make oh, sure you let him I mean, know that like, I'm a fan. That I've been a UFC fan before. You know, you a were. lot of our photos are like Bears games and baseball games. So yeah, this will be our first fishing photo. Yeah, just any photo. I want to see it, man. It's fine. Right, right. I got to share the love with me. Now Clay, you know, Clay is a really good. Like he's a humble, yeah. down to earth. He, he's a stand-up guy, man. The thing about Clay, though, is he, like, he, first of all, he's got a jaw of cement, of granite. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. he's just, he, he takes hits and punishment like nobody else and just keeps going. He's he's like Captain Caveman. 
He is crazy yeah. in the ring. I, I love, always love watching his fights. Um, but you know who's crazier? Well, here, before that, just oh, make sure okay, you follow. You just ruined my joke, so it's okay. Huh? I'm not going to go with it now. Thanks, Jimmy. You're, you're terrible. You're terrible. No, I was going to say, just make sure you follow uh, Gills and Thrills. Oh, never mind. It's way too, with Guida. You, never mind. It's, yeah. all, it's all one word. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tag him. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, we're excited to have <laughs> I love on. that I ruined Yeah, I you just, it, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was good. You don't want to say you could see photos of me there. Yeah, okay. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Everyone especially cares. me, especially you me. don't care. No, if I told you and I've done this to you before, mm -hmm. if I told you right yeah. now, yeah. I have a ticket for you to go. You, you wouldn't go fishing. I wouldn't go. No, you would not go. No, nah, I don't like fishing. That's not my thing. Honestly, if it was just hanging out, I would go. Well, we're, okay. We're, you're hanging out on a boat. Yeah. That's not, that's not out in the sun with that's clay. Yeah. I would hate that. I'd be miserable. I really would be miserable. Yeah. I can't do it. All right, you're not get, you're not getting the invite to the John Jones bicycle trip. I don't want to. That's outside too. I'm not bicycle. Are you crazy? It's, it's, anyways, continue. I'm not bicycling anywhere. What are you talking? Oh my gosh! Let's talk to somebody who has something good to say. My friend Will Basham is on <laughs> today. We're going to talk to Will about rural ministry and his new book. Will, if you don't know him, he's the lead pastor of New Heights Church in West Virginia. Born and raised there, um, he is married to his high school sweetheart Amanda, and they have like a like I don't know, like seven kids or something. They have five kids, and uh, his new book, Rural Mission: Insights from a Rural Church Planter, is available now. And uh, I've read it; it is great. Welcome to the show, Will. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on. I, I'm doing pretty good. I would have been doing better if uh, that introduction would have come through. That was setting up to being the greatest introduction ever oh, for yeah. me. I was trying and to Jimmy get Jimmy had it. to ruin it. He, you know, he, that's what he you does. Know what? I, I'm about to mute. How do, how do I mute? You ruin Will. things. That's what you do. I, I don't you ruin, ruin things. Do I got this nice beard trim going, and all oh my day goodness. long, all you've been doing is making fun of how awful I look. I'm about and, to post it online right yeah, now. It's no, no. Listen, you- I've already posted a picture of what it looks like no, online. No, no, Everybody no. saw it. But it's like the no neck one. That's when I'm slouching down and I'm at a meeting. Yeah. It is it is horrible. Yeah. Okay. It all is I know horrible. is all I know. Now, when you're standing up and yeah. you're you stretch out to make sure your deck's showing, yeah, you actually look very fit and trim. Yeah. Well, I'm not, but uh, but I, that's why I said yeah. look. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, the thing is, is like everybody's so much taller than me, they can't even see my neck. Anyway, no, it doesn't matter. Well, so you, I'm just gonna. We look. all have to be sitting and <laughs> yeah. you standing, and then we can see. And the neck. Jimmy's making like we're at an elders meeting. We're, we're dealing with serious stuff, and he's photoshopping my face onto a whole Mr. Potato Head body. So <laughs> I just look like a total dork. Anyways, Will. He's being productive in one way or another. <laughs> That's now, right. Will, you and I connected back in 2018. I came out uh, yeah. to the West Virginia Acts 29 thing. Oh, right? I remember that. That was such a great yeah, event that I went to. No, you didn't go. Oh, I didn't get an invite, Will. No. Continue. Yeah, no, sorry he, about that. No, he knows you ruined well, I think things. I, Go ahead. That's. I think that's why Jimmy was jabbing at me a little bit for mm. my accent, too. But, um, <laughs> a little bit of coaching on, on my name, Basham. You have to actually, like, become a redneck when you when you say it. Basham. So, Basham. Basham. Yeah, like, bash you're, like you're going to bash him in the head. I like that. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds more intimidating, too. But, um, but yeah, truly, um, glad you're going fishing, Jimmy. Oh, um, I'm pumped. Good to, good to hear that about you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Love me some fishing. Now, um... Will, why don't we just, uh, we don't, we haven't done this in, in all of our interviews, but I, th I think a lot of our people do ha have this kind of a question for people, especially, oh, pastors and writing books. How did you come to faith? How is it that you became a believer, a follower of Christ? When did it happen in your life? Yeah, I, I grew up uh, going to church uh, from infancy, and um, we live three miles out of Holler, um, far out from 
society. And we went to just a little country church called Middle Fork Baptist. And I actually repented um, during an altar call at at a revival. Um, So like old time hacking preacher going on. Um, I was 10 years old. Um, Actually, my wife, who was not a romantic interest at all at that time, uh, got got saved at the exact same revival just a couple nights later. Yeah. Wow. I met her because my my mom would take her to uh, to church with us, and she met um, she was friends with my older sister on the school bus. And she lived up the same holler, and um, and so it's, yeah, it's just God's sovereignty over the whole thing. And um, so that's that's when I came to faith. I uh, was baptized uh, just just a, a little, I think three weeks after that, nice. um, in a in a creek called Scary Creek. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and and so. Yeah, then grew up in the church and started preaching um, and at age 19 when I got married. And so I got married young at age 19. That's yeah. just how we do it in West Virginia and um, started preaching at an early age. And um, and yeah, that was kind of the beginning of my journey. Now, you, you talk about this in uh, in the book about how you came to faith and, and all of that. Um, but I'm curious, you, you mentioned this in the book, uh, as well, hacking preachers. Now, those of yep. us that are not from a rural context or maybe a Southern context, I don't know. Uh, we have no idea what that is. Could you yeah. explain to us for Steve McCoy? That's listening right <laughs> now. Steve McCoy knows nothing. So he definitely needs this. So when you explain it, explain it so that so even Steve understands, Steve explain it like Steve is five. Cause okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So there is a um, there's a very common uh, style of preaching that that I describe as almost like stream of consciousness writing, but orally or verbally. Um, so it's you know you read a couple verses of the Bible and then without notes, a lot of times without even preparation, you should begin to to preach. Um, a lot of it is just kind of whatever comes to mind, and it's viewed almost as like this mysticism. So it's like mm-hmm. what they they view it as like whatever the Holy Spirit puts on their mind to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's almost like freestyle rapping, um, and and there's these like breaths that are taken in between, or like coughs that are that are referred to as hacks. Ah. So you'll get in a rhythm of a hacking, ah. and you begin to talk about whatever you want to say, and, and it's just <laughs> it, it's it's very big on um, a supernatural mysticism type okay. of culture, and that's that's kind of what I grew up around learning to preach. So yeah. a lot of my preaching training, or lack thereof, was. Um, throwing me into a pulpit with no preparation whatsoever, saying, all right, go for it. Yeah, you said in the book that, um, you know, when you got around other preachers and, and, and schools and seminaries, you were kind of weirded out because they were all like having notes and wanted you to have yeah, notes. Right. And you're like, bro, right. we don't do notes. Like, we've got the spirit <laughs> in the Bible. What are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it led to a, uh, a skill of improvisation that that's come in handy, but it's not mm-hmm. how I would advise to train preachers. Right, oh, right. for sure, for sure. So you you mentioned yeah, you know, in your book and and now just about at you know nineteen, starting to preach and everything. But when did you know though that you were called to the ministry? Like when did you know yeah, for yourself? Came, yeah, yeah, that came uh, shortly after I was married. I was kind of dabbling in ministry a little bit um, earlier on, but when uh, when my wife and I. I'd saved up enough money to actually go on our first vacation. Uh, we were in college and, and we were around like non-rural uh, Christian people for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we never went on any kind of like international mission trips. We were just kind of sheltered from that evangelical type of thing. And so all of our like, college friends were going on short-term mission trips. And so we were like, that sounds like, like a good thing. Jesus might like that. <laughs> and so we went to uh, Matamoros, New Mexico, Matamoros, Mexico for the, for our first, um, trip like as a married couple and um, that was the first time I led someone to Jesus 
like just in personal gospel witness. Mm -hmm. And so like I was doing stuff in the church before I actually led someone to Jesus. And I remember on the plane ride home, just a huge conviction about that, that I hadn't uh, personally done that. And the way I knew to do that and and really begin to fulfill the great commission was just to grab a Bible, get in the pulpit and start preaching. So that's, that's when I kind of sensed that call that I was going to become a pastor. And even, you know, even in your church where you, you know, now you might have some differences of opinion theologically or in terms of philosophy of ministry, you did have a church that was very supportive of this call that you experienced, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so um, one of the things that, um, that we've really tried to do with, with the books is, is really appreciate um, the upbringing because it, it was a religious setting with a lot of flaws mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Some, uh, some imperfections, but um, but I never want to discount um, yeah. the, the upbringing I had because these people may have had um, weird or maybe even bad strategies in how they train leaders. But um, but these people led me to Jesus and they, they taught me the gospel. And it, so um, very much appreciate that. And see, I love that about your book, Will, is sometimes like you have this there's this swing. I think there's this like this mentality out there that somehow the rural church is beneath. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like the world right. church, like the heritage of it and, and the history of it and, and how they go about it when there is like this rich tradition there and this rich, yeah. I would even, I, not just tradition, I would say like this. Oh, it's uh, a work of God. It's a work of God. Yeah, totally. yeah it's his work of God in and among a people. And it, right. is, it fits the context there well. So I love that you didn't, you're not trashing and, and trying to say, hey, there needs to be this wholesale, you know, embrace of like, Tim Keller and the city. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, Uh, right. But like you found, you know, hey, here are the areas to address. And here's why it's important. I think that's that's really, really helpful. Yeah. We're excited to get into into, into some of that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your church? Um, uh, You know, what uh, what's happening at New Heights? Uh, Why does it have to be new? Uh, Why can't it be old? (laughs) Why can't it be traditional? Um, why can't it be low? Uh, what, what's what's going on there? Because uh, I'll tell you, Jimmy, I was I was there at that church. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, those people. Oh, okay. were awesome. Oh, I love them. Now, did you feel like when I was there? When you were, did you feel like yep. it was like home? I felt like home. I like felt it, like these are the people. Like if you left, if if you left Redeemer, yep. that would be the place where you if can I go was, call. If home. I was there, I would plug right in. Plug I would right follow in. Will. No problem. No, yeah, no, you would not skip a beat. Nope. I absolutely Will, love it. I don't want you to think that's special. He says that about every I do single not. church. I do not. I only say it, I only I say it about some churches. With everything. No, listen, yeah, I was at Jared I Wilson's. I believe everything he's saying. Thank you, Will, because I was at Jared Wilson's church, and I was like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> I'm kidding, Jared. I'm totally you kidding. You said that about Texas? Yep. Portland? New Zealand? California? Mm, yeah, no, you did. No, what, what California church? Uh, not the last one we were at. No. Homeboy that I can't remember his name now. I feel horrible. He's with Acts twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Dave, Dave. Oh no, I like him, but no, that, that probably wouldn't you don't be the have What's his last no, name? No, I, I, yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Oh, okay, Anyways, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, but okay, I, I, no, that's not, I didn't say that about that church. Yeah, you did. Nope. Wow. Anyways, what's going on at? <laughs> well, uh, I think what he was saying was if he if he somehow in some weird circumstance found himself living in Milton, West Virginia. He would he would be at our church, which would be like he wouldn't have that many options. And I'll, t- I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this. Um, and honestly, he wants to move. Seventy five percent of it would be for the cigar shop that you took me to. So yeah, I'm just being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Is yeah. there good fish in there? Uh, there is. Yeah, oh, I might uh, We we like trout fishing. Um, nice. And um, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of bass lakes around too. Mm. So. Yeah, he just they don't my grow lo- as big as they do in Florida, though. Uh, but you listen, you just spoke my love language. Yeah, that and the Turingia. <laughs> yeah, like the fish you're, shot, you're gonna be. What'd yeah. you say? Say it again. Turingias. Yeah, like that's you know, what you're gonna be fishing. Anyways, for. Anyways, go yeah. ahead. So, Will, tell us, tell us about your church, man. 
Yeah, so um, I started uh, New Heights Church in 2012, so almost nine years ago now. And we, um, I, the, the, the way I ended up in the town I'm in, which is Milton, a population 3,000, was um, I wanted to get out of my hometown because I knew so many people in every church in my hometown, which was smaller, by the way. Um, that if I planted a church there, I just felt like I would just blow up every local church because mm-hmm. um, I knew enough people. And so I was right. like, all right, I got to get out of town, but I don't want to go far because I love this place. I love these people. Um, flirted with going to Charleston, West Virginia, which is our capital city, a uh, population of 50,000. And, and most people around the United States, I think, would call that a small town maybe <laughs> or a small city at least. Mm-hmm. But um, but when we looked at um, – just culturally how God had, had brought me up and the circumstances of my upbringing, I was like, man, I'm not going to fit in in Charleston. And mm-hmm. so a direct, uh, a direct drive north to the interstate um, was a small town called Milton. Uh, there was um, a lack of churches there. Um, and so we were like, all right, this could be a place that could feel culturally like home, but also need the work. And so we started the church here, um, like I said, nearly nine years ago. And, um, and God just blessed the work we've planted three churches nice um in that time we have a we have a granddaughter church now um and it's it's been really cool to see you know how god's how god's moved and a lot of the a lot of the converts that we've seen people who come in profess faith and be baptized um are very religious and that and that was a striking thing that we began to see over and over and over again that people had no concept of following jesus were not regenerate um but had a very religious uh, upbringing or understanding. So, and uh, so we began to refer to them as the religious loss. And so that, that became a very important strategy with how we planted the church. You should see Jimmy's face right now. Jimmy is so excited. No, no. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of Jimmy? Okay, well, all right. So you started this, uh, say it again. What year was that? You 2012. Started, 2012. Yeah. So within nine years, you have planted three other churches. <laughs> so I want everyone to hear this in a rural context. In a rural context. In a rural context. I, I, I well, it doesn't make it any less, Joe. No, it makes it harder. That, exactly. So I want everyone to hear this. You didn't go to where the money was. You know what I mean? Like you didn't go to. Yeah. You didn't look for an opportunity. Like okay, where's an you know a semi affluent place where I can go and yeah. you know I can I can make not make some money but be able to sustain this. You right. you went to a community. And it was because there wasn't churches there. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's beautiful. A lot of church planters. I, I, maybe I, I don't want Not a lot. I hear from some, they, you know, part of the, like how they find a spot is, are there a lot of people? And right. is there, is there financial, like financial viability here? Right. 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 And we'll yet, look at the big demographics. Look studies, at the demographics. Uh, all that. But, mm-hmm. but, but Will says, where there's no churches here. We, this is a good place to do the work. I love yeah, that. But, I, and then three but, others. Yeah, right. Let me let me explain it this way. I actually go into this a little bit in the book, but um, I think I think a lot of times rural areas are are kind of positioned as really hard places to plant a church. Um, and if it, and I could you know try to build myself up a little more um, by making by affirming that, but it's, I think it's just not true um, because you look at my town, there was just such a need. That it was like it was like destined mm. by God's sovereignty to blow up, even if some some you know messed up person like me came in and planted the church. And um, and I compare it to fishing in the book. 
Um, so Jimmy, will you'll you'll track with this analogy? I, I, I'm, I'm, oh yeah, I'm please. Yeah, he doesn't want more fishing he, analogies. He doesn't please. understand bass. Oh he doesn't gosh. understand tarpon. Please right. and trout continue so, to pee. So one of the one of the fishing strategies is to go where there are a lot of fish, and mm-hmm. that's a fine strategy, right? And yep. that would be kind of like the city mentality. All right, we're going to go where there are a lot of people. Um, that's where we're going to plant churches. Uh, but another fishing strategy, and this is kind of how we have to do it in West Virginia because we're not known for big lakes and all that stuff, is not to go where there are a lot of fish. But to go where places are underfished, mm-hmm. and so we go where we go where there may not be a ton of fish, but we find these like secret spots in the mountains where nobody's fished it yet. So like, and, uh, and that's kind of the rural church planting mindset is like, all right, no one's fished it. There might not be a ton of people, but there's a big need here. Yeah, and so would you l- say any lure will work there? Would you would you say it's sort of like <laughs> yeah. okay? Let me, I'm going to up my my fishing game. Would you say it's it's sort of like noodling? Oh yeah, no, we do no noodling in West Virginia. No, but I'm, I'm, like saying, I'm, saying, like, yeah. I'm saying like yeah. noodling though. It's like you catch the big catfish <laughs> with your hands. You go into a place and you reach into the hole. Never mind. Okay, I can't well do done, the fishing Joey. stuff. Well done. So, <laughs> so based off that, then, yeah. like as you talk about, then why is it that the rural mission field has been so neglected by so many church planting agencies? Well, I, I think, um, I think it makes sense to start with urban centers. I really do. I understand it. Um, but I think I think it's the good thing is I'm seeing in networks and denominations I'm seeing them kind of come around to yeah. uh, to some some rural focus. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a part of Acts 29. There's been a rural focus in Acts 29 in recent years. Um, I've seen other networks and denominations doing the same thing. Um, and I, I think it's just um, you know not only going where people exist but also where planters exist. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of rural areas weren't weren't beating the drum of church planting. Right. Um, it, it's typically in a rural mindset of like, all right, we've got enough steeples in this town. We don't need any more competition. And so a lot of the guys that want to plant churches are coming out of urban areas. So there's just not a lot of guys coming out of rural places that are, that are wanting to plant. And I think that fed into it somewhat. That's a fair, that's a really Mm -hmm. fair, I think a generous answer because there's a part of the equation too, which is rural ministry is not sexy. Yeah. So to most, to most planters, to most entrepreneurs, these guys that are going out, I've assessed a lot of church planters, um, and thankfully in X 29, when, when we were a part of X 29, we had a guy who wanted to plant in a rural area of Wisconsin. And, uh, and at the time it was so many years ago, he was like, I know that this is not a f- strategic focus, but the whole assessment team was like, it needs to be, mm-hmm. it needs to be yeah. a part of our approach. And like what you've got going on is great. And that guy got right in, I mean, um, yeah. do it, doing the work. So I think it's, I think it's great. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about rural church voices? I mean, this is something that, that you created, um, I think, with another brother, at least another, yeah. at least one other guy. Tell us about rural church voices, what it is, and what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, so rural church voices is in its infancy stage. I, to be honest, I don't know where it's going to go, um, but there's a brother in my church um, named Jason Cook who wrote a book, and we're releasing them together. So the books are out now. You can get them on ruralchurchvoices.com or on Amazon. And, um, and he sent me the book a while back um, before I had my book completely written. I had like three chapters of mine written, and he sent me his completed book. <laughs> and it was twice as long, and it was super intimidating. <laughs> and he's a member of my church, and he was a pastor for over a decade um, in an established rural church. And, um, and he ended up leaving his denomination over some uh, different circumstances. You can read more of his story in his book. But um, So he rolls into our church, and he's not one of our elders. He's just a deeply um, loving and compassionate brother that, that just adds so much value to the ministry of our church. And so he gives me this book. I begin to read through it, and our, our stories are so similar 
and there's such a great need. And so like we, we started to pray about like, can we combine these and make them one book or um, what, what would be best? And so he had more of an established church um, and healthy rural church kind of vibe to his. Mine was more like trailblazing, starting new ministry type thing. And so then we kind of landed it. Let's, let's release the books in tandem um, mm-hmm. together and, and, you know, create a series. And so uh, that's how we started Real Church Voices. Uh, publishers didn't really want our books, which is, which was fine. Um, <laughs> we have no following, like we don't have a big online presence or anything. And so it was hard to pitch to publishers because we don't know how many books we would sell or whatever. And so I'm just we glad like, you guys just... have like an online, you know, you guys just have internet. Yeah. Cause yeah, like... the internet helps, right? If we didn't have internet, we would be out of luck. Our internet's really slow sometimes. So, um, we did a podcast with somebody else and it like, it, it dropped the podcast call like four times. It was so wow. embarrassing. Mm. We're like, sorry, this is a rural uh, side effect. Don't worry about that but here. The, we got the, we got the Holy Spirit helping us. So like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I've actually, <laughs> yeah, By the way, I'm like on top of, I'm on top of a mountain right now, like holding my cell phone up in the air <laughs> trying to make sure it doesn't drop. Jason, listen, but, like so we decided to uh, release these books together. And, um, and, and so this is, these are the first two and we're hoping to uh, produce maybe up to five more. Wow, great. over the next several years um, written by people in rural context and it's not a different uh, topic per se we're, we're dealing with just issues of the church but we're giving it a particular nuance for people in rural settings it's really important um, by the way Jason Cook's book is called Old Time Religion Healthy Churches in Rural Places and uh, Will's book is called uh, Rural Mission um, good books you should definitely pick up just to understand what's happening mm-hmm. and how things are working in the rural context even if you're not a part of it so you should go and pick those up hit up amazon um and we'll link to all of this in the show notes so you guys can uh, can check it out but uh i'm glad you're doing it and don't worry about the publishers i mean i've worked with a couple of different publishers um some are great some are not so great but uh yeah they're they have to look at the bottom line can we sell at least so many thousand copies within the first printing of this thing mm-hmm. Right. But you guys have done a great job putting out something that looks good, reads good. And I'll just tell you this right now. When, when Jimmy and I got our books, uh, they came with stickers. Yep. And uh, we like we <laughs> like stickers. Yep, very nice. Very cool stickers that reflect the art. And, Jimmy, we got cigars. And we got cigars. cigars now, I'm pretty sure if you order a book from the website, they will, they will throw in a cigar for free. For every book you order, <laughs> you'll get one free cigar. Is that correct, Will? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. It, so. <laughs> okay, so that doesn't happen. Just go buy it and find I out. Won't, I'll, I'll do this. I won't guarantee that you won't get a cigar. <laughs> <with your book. laughs> now, when you're when you when you talk about uh, even in your book, when you talk about um, rural, uh, rural isn't monolithic. It isn't just one culture. Yeah. Um, but yet there are. St- I mean, I ministered in a very rural context, a town of one thousand. I pastored the church uh, in the middle of Kentucky. Uh, a thousand people in that city. So I've, I've been there and I've, I've done that for two years. It was a short stint. Um, so while rural can look different in different counties and different states and different regions, there are still some commonalities that exist throughout. So what are some of the, when, you talk, when you're talking about rural, what are some things that are almost always true about rural? Yeah, so some of the commonalities are going to stem from just the smallness that exists, right? So um so in rural communities, you don't have as many things to do, as many places to play. Um, and so that's going to that's gonna take an effect on like what church life looks like. All right. And then um, and I think one of the other commonalities is um, things like uh, economic status sometimes plays into some rural stuff, um, all of which I dive into in the book. Um, 
and um, and even like education. Um, there there are just not as many opportunities in rural places because universities aren't going to go where people aren't, right? Um, and so you're dealing with a less educated, um, usually less wealthy um, group of people. And I think if you just try to transfer uh, things that you've read in books from, from churches in bigger areas into smaller areas, it's not always going to be 100% transferable. Mm-hmm. One of the big things I write about is discipleship and how um, a lot of the books I've read on discipleship focus on kind of an academic um, uh, strategy for right. discipleship, right? It's all about reading books, learning more. Um, and I've seen a lot of churches um, really try to just disciple people by getting them to read more and more. Um, well, a lot of people in my church don't want to read. There are people who are like thrilled that I wrote a book and they've just told me I'm not going to read it because I don't read. And um, <laughs> and that's fine. But like if your discipleship is just just grounded in like academic knowledge gaining, then you're selling yourself short because those people still need to be disciples. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of what I write about. Just like, OK, what are some strategies to engage people that are coming from that dynamic as well? That's great. And we I mean, I've seen it at your church. I've, I've seen you, I've seen the fruit, uh, of your labor of love and, and how the, the, the leadership of the congregation are, are really, I mean, you can see God at work. And so it, you're not a, you're not just kind of as, uh, promoting some kind of theory. You're, you're talking biblical truth that you've actually seen bear fruit in a very specific context. And I think this is really good because I think a lot of us on the outside, when we think rural, even if we have some experience with it, um, if we're not a part of it, if we didn't grow up in it, it's almost like we just sort of pass over it. You know, it's sort of like the the, the poor areas in, in the urban centers. We're just like, ah, I'm just going right. to avoid that area. I'm, right. I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to kind of stay away. And, you know, as if God stays away because he doesn't, he's active right. there and we can see it happening. Uh, in, uh, in, in churches, you know, just, I mean, really we see it, we, we see you guys making disciples at new heights and it's, it's pretty exciting. And yep. so, yeah. And so you hit on some of those unique challenges, right. About ministering there, uh, with the, uh, lack of education, people don't want to read. There's, uh, un, uh, maybe unemployment, but low income. Mm. So as, as, as someone hearing this and thinking, maybe, maybe I can go plant or, or minister in a rural context. What would you say, like, if they were asking, like, how how do I know if I'm a good fit for ministry uh, in a rural context? What would you say? Well, I I would say it doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> so a lot of my book is uh, promoting the case that it's easier to plant in a rural context, not more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the stigmas that exists. Is like, okay, it'll be harder. And there are some unique challenges for sure, um, but the need is so great, um, and there's such a lack of like gospel centered churches in a sea of churches. And that's, that's why people they'll, they'll, they'll look at a rural community and they'll just see steeples everywhere and they'll assume, all right, this place has the gospel. Right. But that's not the case. There's no gospel centrality in most of these uh, rural communities. And so like, um, I mean, you've got to have some basic skills. Like if you're going to plant a church in a rural area, like we want you to be gospel centered, gospel focused, and we want you to be able to like preach well. We don't want you to just like going into the pulpit with no preparation and no notes. But, um, but I think, I think the the field is really white for harvest and and ready and ripe. And so um, so yeah, if if you're thinking about planting in a rural context, Jimmy, um, connect with some other rural brothers to give you that particular nuance. Maybe read a, a good book like Rural Mission and <laughs> and give it a shot. Get some get some affirmation from people around you. Get assessed and then go after. It. Well, I know like because um, in my case, 
I actually, when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, uh, my, my fiance at the time, she's now my wife, uh, you know, we were considering rural ministry um, and we had had some guys come in to talk about it. And in our mind, we had romanticized rural ministry. Yeah. Um, and I know you're saying that there are ways in which it's easier, but in our mind, we had actually romanticized it and thought of it, you know, it basically like one of those lifetime Christmas movies or like a Hallmark movie <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, I like guess kind of how we pictured it. And then we started ministering there and we got our butts kicked hard um, by yeah. coming into an established church and we experienced a lot of hate. There was um, a lot of resistance. It was pretty cold. I'll tell you this, um, no one would come into our house from the whole church. We would try to invite people in. It was a weird, and again, this is not true of all rural contexts right. or country contexts, but in this particular context, it was really weird. And um, we found it in incredibly difficult. And of course, the same or worse could happen in an urban context. So you can't always just say, well, I had this experience in a mm -hmm. rural context. Yeah. Therefore, this is what happens in rural context. Right. And so that's what I think some people do. They have a one experience and they go, eh, uh, that that doesn't work for me. Every church is different. It has it has its own baggage, and so every city has its own baggage, and it goes on like that. And so when when you when, when Jimmy asks, how do you know if you're a good fit for ministry in the rural context? Are there any are there any traits that that need to be true of a pastor mm. or a leader yeah. that is going to step into there? Because I'll tell you, it seems to me that patience is of course required of every pastor, but it seems especially relevant in a rural context to me because of the pace of life and the, perhaps the the long-standing traditions that have been put in place. And I feel like I'm too right. bougie. You are a little bougie with your like, Yeah, you're, Jimmy yeah, wears you're shoes that are like $1,500. out of there. <laughs> right. Hanging out with famous people all the time. And stuff famous and people and his, his $2,000 yeah. alligator slippers. First of all, they're yeah. not slippers. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to leave. I love those that you lean into that. In Illinois. <laughs> Jimmy does not have two thousand dollars slippers. Go ahead. Uh, but patience, is, you're right. Patience is good um, because because it can take a little longer to break into a small town, right? Because yeah. everybody knows everybody, and so it's hard to uh, become an insider. Whereas in a bigger area, nobody knows anybody, right? It's, it, they see new people all the time, and so you've definitely got to be patient there. The other thing I would say that's unique for uh, someone ministering in a rural context is presence. Um, mm. uh, look, those are even alliterated patience and presence. Um, whereas <laughs> in, in urban, yeah, that's my, that's the bad epidemic, but in the urban areas, um, people are going to be more forgiving if you're not present with them all the time, if you're not seeing them and having personal conversations with all the time. Um, and in a rural area, people expect to know their pastors yeah. personally, not just, not just hear them preach, not just when tragedy strikes, but when nothing's going on, they expect to be friends with their pastors. And mm -hmm. so you've got to be patient. You've got to be present with people um, in kind of the everyday life. And so those can be hard things to learn, um, but but they're necessary things to learn, especially in a rural area. All right. Well, I, I, got, I got one more question for you. Okay. How realistic is Ozark? Is, is, is it really like that where you live? Is, 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 is the show Ozark on Netflix, is there like a, is there like a lot he of like even creepy know what the show bad is. stuff going on? Do you, do you watch Ozark? 
I've never watched a single oh, episode. Oh, wow. did, you guys, oh, did you guys not get no. Netflix down there? Is that what it is? No, <laughs> the connection's too slow. It buffers all the time. Here's the, the only the closest thing I know to what you're talking about is Ozark Trails, the outdoor brand at Walmart. Oh <laughs> no, I'm not talking about supplies. that. Jason Bateman. Uh, Talk about Jason Bateman. Well, you need to check out Ozark Trail. Oh, see, okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell <laughs> you this. Watch a little less Ozark. I probably should. I'll tell you this: if uh, if Jimmy and I had to build a zombie apocalypse survivor team, we'll be shot. Will Basham, sorry. Basham, there you, you go. You would be on that team. Oh, you'd be on that sure. team. You'd yeah. be on that team. Yeah, because you're a survivor. We've got the guns for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely, we're going to need that. Uh, they tend to, you can't even have a gun in Illinois unless you get a special card. It's a special card. Yeah, it's a magical Virginia, card. Anybody can have one and conceal carry without a permit and all that. So. Well, yeah, because America. And um, you get tax breaks for doing it too in West Virginia. Oh, wow. Oh, here, look at Joe. Look, yeah, uh, Joe just perked up. Yeah. Maybe we should plant the church in West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Call, call it Lolo's. Lolo. Call it old Lolo's. Call, <laughs> I'm going to call it Archer's. Old Lolo's. Old Lolo's. Old Lolo's. Yeah. <laughs> Will, where can people find you online? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter, Will underscore Basham. Uh, yeah. Um, underscore. Mm, wonderful. Yeah, really that. dropped the ball on that one, didn't you? Yeah, I tried. <laughs> Nobody's going to follow you. Will underscore Basham. <laughs> but get his book rural mission it's really good and and the and the book that comes with it you can order old time religion by jason cook these are good books man they're listen i want you to order the book because you're going to support a friend who's doing gospel ministry but also because it'll help you to understand what's happening in rural mm -hmm. context especially if you don't if you're not if you're not familiar with it it's really really good so get on that well we'd love to hear your thoughts you could follow us online on instagram and twitter at doc and devo or on facebook slash doctrine and devotion you can head to the website doctrine they can contact us you can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, joefostore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. We got blog posts and uh, video content over at the website. We've also got our all-access exclusive content. Banter of Truth releases on Tuesdays. Weekday Wisdom, Monday through Friday. You just head on over to drvotion.com slash all-access. Later. Later.